Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you When I go out yeah, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who goes along Could you sing any song 500 times? This week's guest, Robert Bacon of the 91 Donkey Lane podcast is going to do just that with this week's featured song. While the Proclaimers had a catalog of hits throughout the UK, it was only after it appeared in 1993's Benny and June that the song made any traction in the States. Together, Bacon, Matt, and I decide if this song was one-hit thunder or if they should have havered alone. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties All right, so Bacon, we're here today to talk about the Proclaimers. And right off the bat, I'd like to know, why did you choose the Proclaimers? I chose this because on another podcast that I do, a really stupid thing happened. And basically, long story short, I'm going to have to sing this song in the style of 99 bottles of beer on the wall. So I'm going to sing, I would walk 500 miles, whole thing, all the way through. And then start the song immediately again. And I have to say, I will walk 499 miles and sing the whole song like that until we reach zero. The entire song. The entire song, all the way through, 500 times. We did the math. It's probably going to take about 30 hours with some breaks for eating and going to the bathroom. Oh, my God. <laughs> when are you going to start? When is this happening? <laughs> we are not exactly sure yet. I got to finish up this YouTube video I'm working on. And it's the very next thing that we're going to be working on is this 30-hour live stream where uh, it's me and my roommate. He's going to have a board behind me with like the numbers, going to cross it off. We're going to do special things for special numbers. It's going to be really stupid. It's going to be descent into madness. I'm not even sure if it's even possible. Now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm getting scared. A lot of things. So this song has a lot of meaning to me right now. <laughs> yeah, dude. Bacon, real quick, just because I think the video is fascinating. You are working on a YouTube series as we speak right now that's taking prominence. Do you want to talk about that real quick before we really dive into the Proclaimers? 
Oh sure, try to stick with me on this stuff. I mean, if if I di- if I lost you at the Proclaimers, I'm definitely going to lose you at this one. I'm doing a uniform re- NFL uniform review series on YouTube. I'm really into sports uniforms, like the design, the aesthetic of all of it, like the the different rules in the NBA compared to like the NFL of like what works and what doesn't. And it's just a random nerdy thing that I really like. And I found that like more and more people seem to be into it. And any review series that's on like the internet is just a clickbaity uh, slideshow. They have like one sentence explaining like this is why this is the worst uniform in the NFL, and then they just go up, and it's really boring and and lame, and no effort put into it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put a ton of effort into it. I'm going to take all these uniforms. I'm going to put them into cl- uh, tier classes. I'm going to explain in detail why even if you don't know anything about the nfl or anything about uniforms i just want to like dive into that and i wanted it to be funny and so far it's going really well i mean if you were to watch all of them combined it would be the length of a feature length movie which is ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) hey man i'm from pittsburgh so we're probably one of the better ones right spoilers it's 100 so there's there's categories that go awful bad close good Great, and then the top category is grand and wonderful. Right, uh, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are in the grand and wonderful category. Yeah. One of the best uniforms in the NFL for a really long time. Iowa Hawkeyes just straight up to ask them, "Hey, can we use your look?" And they're like, "Go right ahead." Right. So the Iowa Hawkeyes are the Pittsburgh Steelers, essentially. Right. In yeah. college football, Steelers got a really cool one-sided logo on their helmet, and they leave the other side blank. That's a really like awesome way to set yourself apart. They do a great job with their color scheme of breaking stuff up. I could talk about it forever. I'll stop now. But if that sounded semi-interesting to you with some jokes put in there, check it out on YouTube. Just look up Robert Bacon. All right. So now let's talk about the Proclaimers. (laughs) (laughs) I I stalled this as much as I could. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah. As far as the Proclaimers go, first of all, when it comes to your live stream, man, Dude, I can't imagine once you're fucking seven hours into that thing being like, oh, my God, I got 23 hours to go. I tried a little like test run where I tried to listen it two times into a, in a row. It, it did not go well. Are either of you How I Met Your Mother fans? Because that's what I always think of with this song. No, I haven't. I've never seen it, but it's. Uh, I've talked to people about this idea, and that's the first thing that comes up. So now I definitely need to check out this episode. Uh, can you explain this episode? So it's actually a, a gag that runs throughout the entire series, but it's introduced in the second season that J- Jason Siegel's car, when he first bought the car, he bought the single for I Would Walk 500 Miles. And it's been stuck in the cassette player (laughs) and he has no ability to turn on the radio or anything. So wherever he goes, whatever he does, he can only listen to the song. I would walk 500 miles the entire time. And it's specifically an episode where they're doing a flashback to them doing a road trip across the United States with that being the only song to listen to the entire time. And there's a point where they pick up a hitchhiker and the hitchhiker's like, this song's really annoying. And they're like, give it some time. It'll come around. And then it like jumped out. So like an hour later and all three of them are like, da, da, da. In the back of the car. This song is the best song in the world. It's the only song I like. Just kidding. <laughs> Tape's been stuck in the player for like two years. Better than nothing, though. I am so sick of this song. 
Don't worry, it comes around again. What do you mean? Just to be the man who walks up down that miles and falls down at your door. I, I have such a love-hate with this song because it is so annoying, so catchy. But I will say, digging into like the back catalog of this band, I think I'm a Proclaimers fan now. Wow. I mean, okay, I I mean, I agree. I was very surprised to listen to the rest of this album and then subsequent al- albums and been like, this isn't horrible. I'm kind of enjoying a lot of these songs. Yeah, and I think that like the fact that their origins come from punk music, which is like on paper is completely insane. Like when you're like, oh, the Proclaimers, their inspirations were like Black Flag and the Sex Pistols and the Clash. I'd be like, the fuck you say? But like, yeah, what? Where is that? But then when I listen to it, it's like, you know what? Like they they like their first big hit in the UK was like an angry song about what the unemployment rates were. And like a lot of their like other songs, there's like a lot of like anger in the delivery. And I kind of I kind of get it now. Like I listen to it. I'm like, I can see this being like two dudes who fucking loved 70s punk rock music, but all they had were like some pianos and some key and some acoustic guitars. And we're like, well, we got to do what we got to (laughs) do. And like in when they first debuted, someone described them as a perfect mixture of folk music and post punk. And I I kind of after listening to like hours of their music over the last couple days, I hear it. I absolutely hear it. You know, this song, when I when I hear the song we're talking about here, 500 Miles, it kind of seems like it's a song that was just, it just exists. That it, it, <laughs> this song, this song was going to exist whether the Proclaimers played it or not, and they kind of just grabbed it. And and because I can't imagine a world without this song, it just seems like it's just always has been and will be. It, it took a couple of Scottish identical twin brothers, which I one thing I did notice about them is that they wear slightly different colored glasses to differentiate themselves. <laughs> which, which I think is really cool of them, you know, between Craig and Charlie. So you could tell who's who's who. I think that's pretty cool. Their demo was done by by Kevin Rowland of Dixie's Midnight Runners, who obviously like future episode of the podcast for sure. But like Kevin Rowland is also like if you dig deeper into his back catalog and like what his vision of with Dixie's Midnight Runners, like that also makes sense. Like this was very clearly that they were part of that UK 80s, like post-punk new wave scene, but they definitely sounded the least like they belong there. Yeah. I mean, they're like, they are folk music, uh, 100%, but they're like, that rowdy folk band at in a bar at like 2 a.m. where you're like, that band was amazing. I can't, like, who were they? They'd be like, the, the Proclaimers. We'd be like, man, was it me or did those guys look alike? No, dude, they were twins. They were twins. Are you sure those dudes were twins? Definitely twins. Different colored sunglasses, but twins. 100%. Holy shit, I just thought I was drunk. We need to, we need to get find out if they have a CD. And that's how they started. Right. And dude, they... <laughs> I watched them play. I watched an old performance of them playing on Letterman and they were good. <laughs> they sounded, <laughs> they sounded exactly like the album and uh, no doubt they're good players and good singers. And I, I was definitely impressed. I didn't think I would be so much, but it was a great performance, man. And then he, then Letterman interviewed them after. And it, it was, just, it was an interview of Letterman going, what are you saying? I can't understand what you're saying. Oh, you guys are Scottish. <laughs> I can't understand. It was kind of awkward, but 
great performance, man, for sure. And it's funny because like the song I would walk 500 miles was like an immediate hit in the UK. Well, it was a modest hit in the UK. It hit number 11, but it was number one in Iceland, New Zealand and Australia. But it no one knew it in the States until like 93 when it was in Benny and June. And like then it became the number three song in the United States. And it's the only US hit. So that's like. If you're if you're from the UK, you're probably like, why the fuck are they talking about the Proclaimers? They've had so many hits, but like, yeah, for us over in the states, this is all we really have been exposed to, right? And Benny and June, I haven't seen. Be- the only thing I know of Benny and June is the Proclaimers music video, which is them on a green screen with clips of Benny and June playing behind them. <laughs> yes, and, and the only thing I can tell about that movie is that Johnny Depp in that movie is very, very whimsical. That's all so, I know. <laughs> so uh, it's it's weird because like it's a weird movie to begin with, but it's basically that Johnny Depp is a weird guy. He's neither Benny nor June in that movie. Oh. Benny and June refer to a brother and sister where the sister has Asperger's and she falls in love with Johnny Depp's whimsical nature. And the brother is very protective of her about that. But like all he does is just recreate Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin moments. Like, yeah, I was just going to say like, that's his, his whole thing is just like, Oh, I'm just going to do this Buster Keaton bit. Oh, I'm going to do this Charlie Chapman bit and crowds love him for it as it's happening. No one's like, who's this obnoxious guy wandering <laughs> around the park, kicking a hat all over. They're just like, Oh, children gather around. Let's watch. I mean, just straight up ripping off Charlie Chaplin and just doing <laughs> that in the thing and just being like, wow, isn't this guy so like, cool and neat and special and you're like no he just has a bunch of old charlie chaplin vhs's (laughs) and he's just doing him again is he good at it yes is he charming yes i I don't understand hey uh, one thing i I definitely want to talk about in this song which another thing that i learned today about the proclaimers a lot of things i learned today about the proclaimers but i always assumed there's a line in the song it's about it's it's maybe the line or two lines after the line about and if I get drunk. Yeah. And if I what I thought he was saying, and if I heaver, <laughs> then you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man that's heavering to you. Or but I guess what he's saying is havering, which means uh-huh. I always I always just assumed that meant throwing up. It just I'm I'm heavering. <laughs> I'm I'm heavering <laughs> up this all these drinks. But it actually means to talk foolishly, to chatter. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I learned that today. You know, for 20 some years, I've thought that meant that he was throwing up. Are you going to start to use Haver in your like regular vernacular now? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to try to use it today. One of the things that like kind of was both not shocking, but very shocking to me when I was researching this was that according to the Proclaimers, the earnings that they make on the song 500 Miles is five times the earnings of their entire three decade long catalog combined. Yeah, like it makes sense. But it's also just like that's a lot like that because they have 11 albums. They've never stopped performing since 1983. Uh, And I know, Bacon, you wanted us to talk about their newest release, Angry Cyclist. Yes. Their newest album, Angry Cyclist. Uh, Albums, you know, it's it's insane how listening to it was essentially like listening to their first album. Yeah, it's more the same. You know, they've kind of they've they know who they are and they've stuck with it. So and I have no problem with that. The problem is the cover on this thing might be one of the worst covers on an album that I have ever seen. 
this is an audio medium, so I'll just try to explain that it's bike gears, one big bike gear, and then below that is another bike gear. <laughs> Or inside of that is another bike gear. I'm checking. But if you look, (laughs) yeah, if you look, it's not centered. So the one in the middle is slightly higher. So there's like a slight gap below the bottom two, and that rolls into the top. And then hold on, I just wrote everything down. Let me see here. The middle gear isn't centered. There's gaps in the bottom bottom of the gear, and the upper left of the big gear, there's this random red spot where they photoshopped and forgot to fix it. Uh, in the middle gear at the top part, it goes over the bottom gear. So somebody made this, and I'm not even Photoshop. I'm going to assume that this was done in a PowerPoint, <laughs> made this album cover, and it is horrendous. It's disgusting. That's all yeah. I wanted to say about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. It looks like it was made in one minute. I don't know if I agree with Matt so much on being a proclaimers fan after digging into this catalog either <laughs> because there was a lot of really i don't know soft acoustic songs that i wasn't feeling the only thing that i actually kind of liked is they covered uh the temptations get ready and i thought that was pretty good that was good but once again it, it's you know it's not as good as the Temptations, so i don't really <laughs> know, i don't really know what the point of listening to the proclaimers version of it is but it was still okay. You know, that I was enjoyed like, their I enjoyed their cover of King of the Road by uh Roger Miller as well. Okay. Uh, but I all I could find was the live version of them playing that on the BBC, which starts with them saying something along the lines of like the song that's swiftly dropping off the charts and then like immediately <laughs> start playing it. So it's like I like that there's like a self-deprecation to them as well. Like I don't think the proclaimers are taking themselves seriously and have not taken themselves seriously for three decades. Right. Yes. When they're having fun or they're covering other songs, I, I have a fun time listening to them. The, my problems come when they try to do like a slower song or like maybe something a little bit more serious, like the song Teardrops which my least favorite song out of anything that I've heard from them. I sent you the Spotify playlist and you literally yes. messaged me and said, I need you to put teardrops on this. <laughs> you need to watch, you need to listen to teardrops. You need to, you need to play it right here. The part where he goes, teardrops running down your face, teardrops. It's so cringe inducing. It's such a horrible, horrible song. I mean, it sounded pretty good when you were singing it, but, yeah. <laughs> but teardrops. Uh, why don't you just sing that 500 times? <laughs> oh, my God. Might um, be more possible. Yeah, you're just like, hey, I know you tuned in for the only song you know by the Proclaimers, but here's a little deep cut for 500 rounds. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, we we like to look at what was going on at that time in music to kind of get some context on how that song became a hit because sometimes you'll think a song oh that's not that great of a song but then you see what's going on at that time and you're like oh well you know compared to those songs yeah it is pretty good and mm-hmm. and this is i'll let you still say it chris but this is the wildest collection of four songs that were topping the charts that we've had in a really <laughs> long time Ooh. yeah yeah so number one at the time was well hold on hold on what year is it Oh yeah, 19- do you want to do you want to take a guess? <laughs> yeah, so it was August twenty first, nineteen ninety three. Was when this peaked at number three. Number three, nineteen ninety three. Oh, okay. This is probably not good time for me to remember music. Yeah. Um, well, 
I'll give you a hint of what number one was. Oh, the theme from Jurassic Park, probably. Number no. one. <laughs> no. I'll give you this hint. It's a jock jam. Oh, oh. no, no, no. I, I ordered these wrong, Chris. That's number two oh. to the cover. The uh, cover is the is the number well, one. I love song. I love the number one. But <laughs> okay, so well, no, it, it, what's is the number one a jock jam? No, uh, definitely not. <laughs> no, okay, number you know two what? is definitely a, is definitively a jock jam. Oh, so the number two has to be uh, the theme from the Mortal Kombat soundtrack, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, basically every other song in that time period on jock jams. <laughs> close, close. It was unbelievable. It was, <laughs> oh no! Oh! But, but that, but that's a good one. But damn it! No, close. Whoop! There it is. By tag oh, team. My God! <laughs> wow! So imagine you're driving around. You're listening to uh, Casey Kasem doing his top charts. Hey, you just hey, meet Casey Kasem. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just finished playing the Proclaimers, and now he's about to go into number two. Whoop! There it is. By the tag team. <laughs> what? What's crazy about? That is, there was Whoop There It Is was out around that time by Tag Team, but there was also a song called Woot There It Is uh, <laughs> by this band. I think they were called 95 North, but they were both out at the same time. It was both the same. Th- it was both Whoop There It Is and Woot There It Is was Woot There It Is. It was like the same song except Whoop or Woot. So was it just a common saying back in the day? Do you guys remember? Was anybody saying, oh, Whoop? There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I I guess maybe it's just been a saying forever now that you put it that way. Like it, it probably was, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's like if the Proclaimers reached out and grabbed this song out of thin air that just existed, maybe Tag Team and 95 North just did it at the same time, I guess, and just I, misinterpreted it a bit, you know? I- hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. Hey, just you mentioning that reminded me that like 90s hip hop had this weird and into like the early 2000s had this weird like call and response thing going for it. Like <laughs> like TLC put out no scrubs and then Sporty Thieves put out no pigeons, which was like their like response to that song or like there was the uh, you know future one hit wonder uh, put out the song. Fuck it. Uh, Iman and then someone named Frankie put out the song we'll fuck you back <laughs> and I was wow like, I never even like, thought to do that that's, yeah, that's, like, that's pretty cool maybe that's so like, what Punchline needs to do is yeah. like wait for the next big pop punk song and then just no, write I, a response to it I, I want to re- write a response to 
you know, some, some really like, I will always love you. I want to write the response to that, you know, write like, a response I, to I will, truth hurts. I will, I will <laughs> like, always love you too. <laughs> Whitney. Well, well, let's get into, let's get into what was the number one song at that time. Cause Chris, you've like actively stated this as an all time favorite a few times. Now. Well, all time favorite might be a little bit of a stretch, <laughs> but maybe all time favorite as far as cover songs is it's can't help falling in love with you by UB 40 taking a pretty, I, I'm not an Elvis fan really but ub40 <laughs> man they knocked that out of the park for the sliver soundtrack oh <laughs> my god ub40 is the band that everybody thought was black dudes but it turned out to be super white guys yeah yeah, yeah. they were the rick ashley of reggae was basically yes. like their thing <laughs> and then i just threw this in there because i thought it was fun but directly behind so again we're going to casey Kasem. Uh, before, right before he got to the Proclaimers, he had to announce. And at number four, we've got Onyx Slam. Which... What slam? <laughs> like, that? Da, 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 da. Let, Let the, the boys, boys be, be boys. boys. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. What an awful time for music. This song. <laughs> this song is a goddamn gem. If that's what was playing, <laughs> then this song is a masterpiece. No so not a Sticky way. Fingers fan is what I'm getting about Bacon no, here. Uh, da, da, da. <laughs> Let the boys be boys. <laughs> Look, Slam, I could take it or leave it. And I do like the UB40 song. But you want to talk about bad. Matt put some of the other biggest singles of that year. <laughs> and now this is where. So okay. Had, had a I'm way, interested. Had a way, What is Love? Oh, was one of the biggest yes. songs. <laughs> oh, God. Before it was ironically liked. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Snow Informer. Oh, Informer. She let me boom, boom down. I know that one. That's the one. Uh, Four Non Blondes, What's Up? Oh, okay. Also before it was ironic. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I don't know if I not ironically like that song. I think I like that song. Okay. (laughs) And then the biggest single of the year, Meatloaf, I'd Do Anything for Love. Good God. That one needs a response. (laughs) Uh, yeah, <laughs> so would I. It's just called like, nah, I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, did anybody wh- ever find out what the thing was that he wouldn't do for love? Uh, uh, that's a good I'm gonna question. Check. I'm going to research that because I feel like there was eventually an answer to that. Um, it had to be like maybe getting married. I'll do anything for love, but get married. Right. I don't know. I always, if I had to guess, it would be maybe like share his lover with somebody else. I don't know oh. why. I, always, I don't know why I like assume that was it. I will tell you that the extended version, the extended version of I'd do anything for love. I don't know. It's like eight or nine minutes long. And I remember no. one of me and my asshole friends, favorite thing to do would be to, I remember doing this in pizza hut for some reason was to put that song on repeat <laughs> in the jukebox and just, you know, leave. Wow. I mean, you get all your money's worth with that one at least. Hell yeah, you do. You get for for two bucks. You can that song could be playing for a couple hours. You know, especially back when we were doing it. Okay, Matt, since, I love since we're never going to do a meatloaf episode. Here's here's what I found for it. It says each verse mentions two things that the man will do for love, followed by the one thing that he will not do. The title phrase repeatedly asserts that he won't do that. Each that is referenced as a particular promise that he made earlier in the same verse. The four things that he says he'll never do is forget the way you make me feel right now. Forgive myself if I don't go all the way tonight. Do it better than I do it with you. And stop dreaming of you every night of my life. 
Uh, when asked about the song on VH1 Storytellers, Meatloaf said, it's sort of like a puzzle, and I guess it goes by, but they're all great things. I won't stop doing the beautiful things, but I won't do any of the bad things. It's quite noble. I'm very proud of that song because it's very much like this out-of-this-world Excalibur. To me, it's like Sir Lancelot or something, just noble and chivalrous. It's my favorite song on the record. You know what? I agree. Uh, <laughs> Meatloaf is is an opera you got to listen to the whole album. You got to listen to all nine minutes of that goddamn song. When you're in the mood, Meatloaf uh, knows what he's doing, and it's fantastic. But just like throughout life, I don't like to hear a Meatloaf song on the radio. I don't want like Paradise by the Dashboard Light coming on because it kind of just like it feels like it's such a giant epic song that it doesn't belong in normal everyday life. Enough Meatloaf. Get back to the Proclaimers. Yes. That is perfect. What a transition. (laughs) We we definitely need to do that. What what more is there to say about the Proclaimers now? So so one thing I thought was, I I feel like this has come up quite a few times on the show, but uh, the song was primarily written by, by Craig in the band. And he said that he is pretty sure that he wrote the song in like under 45 minutes. Uh, and at the time, he thought it was a good song. It maybe had single potential, but he did not think it would be their biggest song. And I feel like that's come up a lot on this show that like a ton of the songs that are big songs are like the ones where they're just like, yeah, you know, we just kind of we had an idea and it kind of wrote itself real quick. That's the way it works, man. That's and it's crazy. The most simple songs and the songs that take five or ten minutes to write end up becoming the most popular or you could you could spend a month writing a song and you, and it's intricate and it's and you feel like it's your greatest piece of music you've ever created and nobody cares it's yeah. it just seems to be that way man it's it's almost like the most basic simple things that are almost like nursery rhymes are what stick in people's minds and become hit songs that's that's definitely a common theme on here and just for songwriting in general Well, I have a question for you real quick on that topic, uh, because I'm not much of a musician. And I know Bacon, I don't think Bacon's much of a musician. We'll find out when he sings a song for 30 hours. But (laughs) but like for Punchline, or I guess, you know what, we'll we'll expand it to everything for for another Cheetah, for Pac, for all the bands that you are in and have been in. What do you remember? What's the song that you wrote the quickest versus what's the song that took the absolute longest for you to to finalize? In Punchline, we had this song uh, called that we called the hit. Do you know that song? The <laughs> I do know that one, uh, which we made a music video for and everything, which I was I mean, we made a pretty cool music video for that song, actually. But that song was one of those songs where it was just like oh, when one practice, we're like, wow, it just came together in like. I don't know, 15 minutes. And it was like, everything was like, well, that's the song. And it was kind of like this magical thing that just happened. And we didn't really even change it when we recorded it months later. And then on that same album, there's a song, I forget what it's even called, Photograph or something. Uh, that like, oh, I know that one. That we yeah. like, yeah. That we like, <laughs> I don't even know the name of my own band's song. Uh, <laughs> it's called Developing You, Developing You, yeah. yeah. And that song went through like 20 different changes and we were just like, we gotta make this song work. We just tried to make it work forever. And and when I, when I listen to that song still today, I, I hear that in it. I'm like, oh, we were just trying so hard to make that song work. And it just, in my head, it doesn't work. And uh, yeah, so, and I think the hit was a way better song, a song that just 
kind of happens. Um, and another one of those songs is the, the Another Cheetah song, Should Have Known. That one just kind of happened. Like I got together with those guys. We were like a new band. And that was like the first song that we came up with. And it just it just happened. You know, it's, and I think it's our best song. And I think, you know, you'll see that in a lot of these, not just one hit wonders, but people in general, their their biggest hits a lot of times end up being songs that didn't take them very long to write. Beatles talk about that a lot. The Beatles were the ones who I heard talk about I think John Lennon and Paul McCartney said that, you know, if they spend more than half an hour, 45 minutes or something writing a song, they're like, oh, that's not good. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so. <laughs> yeah. And I think that applies to a lot of things in art. I mean, obviously, like, uh, you know, like a painting uh, or like a sculpture, you know, takes time no matter what you do. But the idea that comes for it. And I think that just kind of happens in a lot of things that you do. Uh, you know, I make stupid YouTube videos and these uniform reviews are taken forever to do right but my biggest video that i ever did was a video called shit chicago and say back when that like shit new york says shit girls say was like popular right and that blew up and became a little viral video and i'm like that i barely spent any time on that and my other videos will get like a couple thousand views Right. It's, it's all, yeah. And comedy for sure. You know, that's a lot of times that's why improv is so good is, and and can be so funny when people are on, it could be way more funny than something that's sat down scripted and wrote because these ideas come from the top of your head and that, and and sometimes that's the funniest and the same works the same way with music. And I'm sure it works the same way with a lot of things, ideas, people that have good ideas tend to have lots of them and and they come in spurts you know and yep so it makes sense it makes sense when it comes to music too how totally. does that bleed into like like with something like 91 donkey lane you know i was lucky enough to to be on an episode but it, it was yeah. very much just like you sent me a one sentence description of what the premise was mm-hmm. and then we hit record and we just did the whole thing but like if you sit down and listen to like episodes of 91 donkey lane like as much as it's improvised there's times where like you and Nate are playing multiple different characters. There's like all this other audio design going on in the background. So it's, it's kind of a mixture of both. Yeah. We just sat down and kind of shit it out type attitude, but then also like there's a very loving additional post-production work that goes into like making it feel even more effortless than it already was as an improv thing. Well, thank you. That's really nice. Uh, they said that that's kind of, that's what we're going for. It, it, that is a lot of improv. Uh, the longer, like Nate and I have been doing improv for, I don't know, two over 10 years each. And you, you kind of find your groove in improv of you want to, uh, for a show like 91 donkey lane of we're going to improvise this. Here's this one idea that we had, and we're going to see where it goes because it allows us to be like, all right, we could always stick with this idea that we had, but if we find something better along the way or add things that could be added to our mythos, uh, things that could change the whole house, we welcome that because, you know, we, we love all ideas. Just keep sending in ideas. And it's really easy to say no to an idea of somebody like, Oh, what, what if we do this? No, it's really easy to say no. But it's it's way harder to say yes and then to add on and then to move on to stuff like that. And that's why, you know, improv is going through a really hard time right now uh, because of obviously the pandemic and uh, IO theaters closing. Second City's not doing really well. Uh, improv Boston closed down. But, you know, those theaters are going to go away 
because they're businesses, uh, but improv is going to be around forever because it's such a great way to make ideas and to flourish with ideas. And it's a nice, it's a fun way of thinking. Nate and I just around the house, just do our own improv bits in front of nobody. Well, and this, this song was improved by Craig trying to figure out how many steps it would take to get to the football club match that he wanted to go to. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about, um, you know, we usually decide at the end of the episodes, if the song is one hit thunder or if it's a one hit blunder. And, um, I kind of think that we are probably all on the same page. This is one hit thunder. I I, I don't know. Does anybody disagree with that? Thunder. Thunder. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I might be the only one that's going full thunder on not just the song, but the band, the proclaimers, but yes, thunder for sure. I will say this. I will say if you said, Hey, bacon, uh, there's a Proclaimers concert down the street. Do you want to go check it out? I'd be like, hell yes. I would like to go see a Pro- Proclaimers concert. They sound amazing. I would love to see them in concert. Yeah, I would I would absolutely go see the Proclaimers live now, now that I've listened to this. I'd agree with that. If it was free, I'd go see them for free. <laughs> okay, how much would you pay? Would uh, you pay? I, I'd pay... Like 20 bucks? Like, like a street festival? You know the street yeah. festivals where they shut down the street, you pay $20 yes. to get it, or $5 donation yeah whatever i'd I'd pay 12 bucks to see the proclaimers that's my that's (laughs) that's a weirdly specific number but i'll take i'll I'll pay 12 uh (laughs) or i'd pay 20 if you get a couple drinks with with entry or something but uh um i pay 30 dollars. you pay 30 dollars to see the proclaimers damn well who's opening for them are they opening for somebody else who's Um, opener uh it has to be another one hit wonder uh what Uh, dixie's midnight runner who produced their first album? Well, I'd definitely go to that. Yeah. I have fifty dollars. Um, I was gonna say. I was gonna say tag team. Tag team's open. <laughs> it's it's, oh. it's actually all it's all four people who are on the chart. So you have to sit through Onyx, tag team, and UB40. But the Proclaimers is in that mix. I would pay any amount of money to see that concert. <laughs> but my question, since I I figured we were all gonna be on the same page of this song uh-huh. being Thunder, this is a, a big decision. It, would you? Take Proclaimers five hundred miles, or Vanessa mm. Carlton a thousand miles. I'd have to hear that one. That piano part that opens a thousand miles. Yeah, I would take over all of the Proclaimers, but I would walk five thousand miles. Doesn't have the da 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 sing along portion, which I think would uh, always just slightly push me over the edge. I'm going Vanessa Carlton all the way. That song. <laughs> that song. <laughs> <laughs> that song's such a jam. I don't know, but they're both great. Maybe I maybe just Vanessa played it Carlton. for literally one second. Uh, literally uh-huh. one second. I know. Oh yes, I know this song. I'm an idiot. Make my way downtown. Yeah, I mean that piano jam is amazing, but I would still take 500 miles okay. as an overall song. I enjoy 500 now, miles better. Now, if you're asking, like, which concert I would go to, I would go to Vanessa Carlton because yeah. she had, uh, I mean, her other, the the other song that may keep her from ever appearing on the show officially, uh, Just a Day, Just an Ordinary Day. Mm. I also think that that's a fucking jam. Or what about White <laughs> Houses? You don't know White Houses? Listen, I've got her albums. Okay. I know her songs. I'm just talking about songs that most people wouldn't know. Okay. She just came out with a album May, uh, is it May or March? March of this year. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if it was her, her or Michelle Branch. One of one of them got into a relationship with somebody, 
and then like didn't put out a record for like 10 years and then got divorced and put out a record right away. So like, I don't know what the story is there, but <laughs> like both of them are still actively putting out music. Michelle Branch is in a duo now, I think I forget exactly, but I like her too a lot. So. Yeah, dude, Michelle Branch's first album. With all those hits, that was like a hit factory yeah, for a little yeah. bit. Yeah, she's great. Any other thoughts that we have on the Proclaimers? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm out of thoughts on the Proclaimers. <laughs> I have one more. Okay. <laughs> There's a song called Tuesday Afternoon, and in it, read these lyrics, and I want you to try not to think that he's not singing about his dick. Okay. <laughs> okay. This love is mine, and I give it to you gladly. If you don't want it, say, and I'll take it away. And put it back in its place where I found it. And every now and then, I'll take it out again and turn it in my hands and look upon its madness. Then lead it from the room and show it to the moon and remember Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I love the. <laughs> <laughs> I love thinking about him showing it to the moon. <laughs> yeah. Wait, hold on. Do you guys not show your penis to the moon? I, how else do you, can you tell that you don't have a wear penis? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So since the concept of wear penises seems absolutely <laughs> perfect for an episode of 91 Donkey Lane, before we sign off bacon, tell us a little bit about 90 Donkey, 91 Donkey Lane, where people can listen to it, so on and et cetera. Uh, 91 Donkey Lane is an improvised uh, comedy fantasy podcast where me and my real life roommate, Nate Lopez, each week do something really stupid. Something really stupid happens. A guest comes on. Uh, basically, we're, we create this giant world uh, inside this magical apartment complex where we really waste everything that's given to us. We waste a monkey's, a monkey's paw immediately. We waste everything. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You could check us out. We're on all the podcasting apps. You could find us at 91donkeylane.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, do a bunch of show art and stuff like that. Uh, and then you could check out my YouTube channel, just Robert Bacon, little drawing of me. I got some animations on there. Uh, you check out my NFL uniform reviews. And uh, that's it right now. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on the show. This is great. Thanks it's nice to meet me, you. Guys. I've heard about you for a long time from Matt, and it's cool to talk to you, uh, especially about the Proclaimers. I Thank you so much for having me on. This was a blast. Definitely, if you're listening to this, I would say check out more Proclaimers stuff. I think they're a good band. Cool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is produced by Matt Kelly as part of the Geekscape Network and hosted by Chris Vafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah. Underneath me, you're hearing Open Up off Punchline's debut album, Action. Visit punchline.com for news, merch, and other information. Also, speaking from the producer Matt side of things, I will be assisting on producing a live watch party for the Scott documentary Pick It Up with the Inevitables, Vinny and Obi, the director of the film, Taylor Morden, and some other special guests this Saturday, August 15th. If you want to know how to join in on the fun, visit the store at skamovie.com for tickets and other information. And let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.